Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer Cahill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. It is such a pleasure to get to play in the space of consciousness, where the metaphysical meets the current modern day reality. And to get to explore with thought leaders from around the world, like our guest Holly today, exploring what does consciousness mean and what if consciousness is the basis of reality, as my friend Don Hoffman is always reminding me on his mathematical formula he's working on unconsciousness. So today, I would love to read to you a little bit about Holly's bio so you get a sense of who she is, and then we'll dive into her story. Holly Copeland, MA, is a former conservation scientist turned human potential coach, neuromeditation teacher, sound healer, and Reiki master. She is a practitioner and teacher of non-dual awareness and subtle energy meditation techniques and uses neurotechnology, Reiki, and tuning forks in transformation, transformative quantum healing experiences in her coaching work. Holly's childhood passion for maps, the environment, and technology, as well as spirituality, initially led to her 25-plus year career as a conservation scientist, mapping the Earth's ecosystems with GPS. Heartbroken by the state of the planet, coupled with a personal health crisis, she set out on a new path of healing and transformation. She shifted her focus from exterior to interior, and rewired her brain to a state of resilience and joy. As a scientist and biohacker who unites ancient wisdom and modern science, Holly now harnesses modern technology and neuroscience to empower others on their path to human flourishing and upgrading from ordinary mind to luminous awareness. She guides people out of the muddy waters of thinking mind into the flow of joyfully and effortlessly from your own inner compass and their own stable ground of being. Holly, you focus on all of my favorite topics. It's such a pleasure to have you here with us today. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you, Jennifer, so much for inviting me to be here and for everybody watching and listening. I'm just delighted to share my story and for this conversation. Thank you, Holly. Well, well, let's talk. I mean, what a what a career to go from the mapping to, you know, neuroscience and master Reiki. How did that all evolve? At what point did you just have this kind of aha moment and transition to what you're doing now? Yeah, well, you know, I was, it was about 2017 and I was, I had had this beautiful career with the Nature Conservancy, this amazing organization. And I dedicated my life to the environment. And yet I was in this place of feeling pretty heartbroken by the state of the planet. And it felt like I would just wake up and feel um, like I could never do enough. Like there would never be enough time, money, or resources to save the planet. And I think for a long time, I felt just like just doing my part seemed to get me through that. But I came to this point where that just wasn't enough. And I just 
was, I guess, tired of living in this heartbroken space and and recognizing that um, I just wanted something better, more different. And, you know, looking at my life, maybe it's that mid forties. It's like I'd done it. I'd had beautiful children, you know, who were doing well and thriving and had a nice home in a small town. And so I'd gotten to this place where all those things that had kind of driven me to that point were all in place. And yet I'm still sort of, there's this fundamental unwellness underneath all of that, this fundamental conflict, the existential conflict in my heart that, I couldn't, that I needed to learn how to live with. And that drove me into um, a number of different things. I mean, but the first thing was just to um, go into the interior. And I actually wrote, you know, in my journal, my rewire my brain project. (laughs) And I took it like a scientist and just started reading about the brain and about neuroscience and brain waves. Um, I got a a headset called the muse that allowed me to, to listen to my brain while I was meditating and hear if, you know, I was in high beta thinking mind or kind of coming down into alpha and theta. And so I was kind of geeking out on that for a while. <laughs> I want to go get one, by the way, right now, this is not a promo from muse, but now I'm like, Oh, that sounds amazing. Where can I get one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not a promo, but I have to say it's pretty amazing. It blew my mind when I put it on. And for somebody who tried meditation for years, like, I like I was into spirituality kind of, you know, for my almost all of my life. I was a teenager in the metaphysics, for example, in the Shirley MacLaine era of the 1980s. (laughs) I was really into crystals and all of that, but I'd actually never really been able to meditate. I'd never really been able to sit down for an hour or a half hour and really start to work with my interior. Never had had teachers that helped me with that. And so this uh, this gateway for me was the this muse headband because I could kind of train myself to go into calm. Um, and then I met some on the thanks to Facebook and the muse community met some meditation teachers and who invited me into a subtle energy meditation class, which I took and started to dive down the rabbit hole of consciousness and meditation. <laughs> thanks to them. <laughs> um, and so that's that was happening. And at the same time, I was really feeling like maybe I'm supposed to do something else. Maybe I'm not supposed to just be a conservation scientist um, for my career, even though I was in a dream job. So it sort of exterior wise felt kind of crazy for me to leave that view. <laughs> That, you know, position I had worked myself into being a director of science and, you know, just all the things, right? Paid salary and health benefits. It was such a safe, beautiful container. Um, But I was feeling like I was supposed to do something else. And um, that all um, came, I was listening to, a. I, I actually started to just ask source, like, if I'm not supposed to be doing this, you tell me what I'm supposed to be doing because I don't know. And I let that question, I gave it space and I let that question percolate and it percolated for at least four months of just space for consciousness to tell me what I was supposed to do. And I was on a run one day and 
I'd heard a podcast where somebody was describing his shift from being a Hollywood designer to being a coach. And it was like this voice just dropped in and said, do that. Mm. And I came back and changed my life literally around that. And I eventually quit my job at the conservancy and, um, and started coaching Mm. and, or started training to be a coach. Um, And and then I'll let you get a word in. I was in a major health crisis. So that was all also happening. I had mold poisoning. And so I was working around that too. So there was a lot happening in 2018, 2019. Um, but all of those things kind of swirled together to land me where on this journey. Mm, So powerful. I love how the universe gives us our paths. And sometimes you feel it's funny because if we tune in and if we listen, Michael Beckwith from Agape years ago had taught me to ask the universe every day, universe, what is my assignment for today? And then Mm -hmm. to simultaneously ask, what is my purpose? And sometimes it takes a lot of practice. I love finding out what my assignment is today because when I hear forgive, I'm like, really? What? Who? And then as soon as you kind of drop into it, you're able to hear the deeper consciousness of that. And our our lives have a path. They have a rhythm, just like the waves, just like the air we breathe. Everything has an ebb and a flow. And if we're not on the right path, sometimes the universe will give us a health opportunity or a crisis or a divorce or something to be like, yeah, remember, I've been knocking on you for like five years, 10 years saying, you're meant to do something else and you weren't listening. So now I'm going to drop a ton of bricks in front of you to stop you from going that direction. And now you need to go left or right or backwards or wherever it is. And it's so beautiful, Holly, that you allowed that consciousness to unfold. And I want to acknowledge you that you gave the space in today's modern world of go, do, done, done, you know, Oftentimes, we get frustrated if we don't see an immediate result or, oh gosh, you know, I'm sure it took years of training for you to become a conservation scientist. And then to be willing to just let go and surrender and say, hey, I don't know what this looks like, universe. And simultaneously, I'm going to trust it's for my good. And I think a lot of us would live happier, more fulfilled lives if we followed that. So, so tell us a little bit about what it's been like for you now. How many years have you been doing this coaching work? And what's it been like making that shift from conservation scientist to coach? Yeah, thank you. And I love, I want to just acknowledge what you said about um, what is my assignment for today? I love that from Michael Beckwith. That's what a beautiful practice. Um, so that shift which began in 2019. So I guess that's you know early 2019, so three and a half years ago. And it's been it's been extraordinary. I mean, it really has been like magical, you know, not that there haven't been you know challenges along the way, but giving my life over to trusting source, trusting consciousness, and knowing that fundamentally all is well and that I'm taken care of um, has, I mean, that's like, where do I begin? Um, (laughs) It's a totally different way to live life. Like I've, I am just not even living, like I'm not trying anymore in that way. I just allow life to unfold through me 
um, through all the teachers that I've had and the practices and the trainings and, um, and yeah, I want to acknowledge that well, uh, the other thing that you said that the, the mold in that, I see it as a gift now, like, just like you said, it was like the universe was knocking on the door saying, yep, okay, you are just meant to be doing something else. Like if you're fundamentally unhappy and you don't feel well, that's actually like a billboard that (laughs) like you're driving down the highway and the billboard is like, go a different way. Stop, make a U-turn, get off at this exit. It's important. (laughs) Totally. Because pain is our greatest teacher, right? Pain is actually our our doorway to awakening. That's what um, pain is the is the billboard. It's the sign for you know stop, go into this, see what's here, look deeper, listen. Um, and it can be hellish pain. The mold was horrendous. I was waking up every single morning, you know, with rashes and my face was swollen and I felt terrible. And um, for a long time, I didn't know what it was. So there was this whole, like, what's making me sick (laughs) unknown was really hard. And, um, and it taught me a lot. It taught me to surrender actually. Um, And I'll tell you this story. I was, um, it was after I knew it was mold, but then what happened was after I knew it was mold and we'd removed the mold, my body was so hypersensitive to mold that any food or anything in the environment that was mold, like would cause the symptoms again. And I went on a very strict diet to try to contain all this and try to heat. And I was doing all these things to heal infrared sauna and supplements and things. Um, so I wake up one morning and it's like a year and a half later and it's on my birthday and something had made me sick again. Like, I don't know what I ate, but some, somehow my body sensed mold. And so I wake up and I have these same symptoms and I was in a conversation with my meditation teacher and mentor. And I, you know, type to him the message, like, I can't believe it. You know, I'm here. I am again. And I'm, I feel terrible. And it's my birthday. And he just types back, what are you resisting? Mm. And I didn't know what he meant at first, you know, and I just let that question hang. And like maybe an hour or two later, it was like, I realized, oh, this is about surrender, isn't it? Mm. And he just writes back, yes. So powerful. That's incredible. And did you have the mold symptoms come back again after that? Or were you able to release and let it go? It really, I mean, I can't tell you there were none, but it, it basically, that was the pivot that catalyst catalyst that it basically, you know, had very little after that, if any. Um, It's funny. We try so hard to do things, right. To fix things, to solve problems. And recently I was in a meditative state and as I got, there's a beautiful chakra balancing meditation I listened to on long car rides. And as we were driving, as the person who was driving me, I was meditating and I got to the throat chakra balancing ether. And the person is talking about how ether has no form and just connecting to that. And it was the strangest thing, Holly, in that moment, I had a flash and a download that the 
what was missing in the science that a lot of scientists are trying to come up with right now for a theory of everything to replace Newtonian physics and special relativity and to reconcile them was nothing no thing because it was and so it's interesting i actually texted uh deepak because i was like deepak is there a formula for nothing and he's like yes jennifer here's a formula for nothing and then i talked to my friend don hoffman about it and don and i were talking a few nights later and it was the coolest thing because he actually said to me don is working on and has been working on for years a mathematical formula for consciousness and i said don what i saw is that consciousness has to be multiplied everything has to be multiplied by no thing and in that our universe emerges and no kidding don says to me jen it's so funny you say that in my mathematical formula for consciousness you can't get to consciousness without a probability space of no thing in it without it consciousness doesn't exist and it's in that no thing in that nothing in that stillness in that surrendering that letting go the dropping the resistance that everything emerges and thus our universe emerges Mm, oh my gosh that's incredible (laughs) to be clear i'm not a quantum physicist not a scientist never studied any of that myself and i was like really the math works on that okay that's That's amazing yeah you know and how many times did i read you know spiritual books talking about surrender and of course the conceptual mind doesn't know how to surrender this it can't come from the conceptual mind we have to be out of conceptual mind to surrender which is where the aha because that you know the aha is actually where we let go and allow something else to take over the that's not conceptual mind right it's space. We need that space in order to be able to fill up the space with anything, consciousness yeah. or otherwise. You need a space. A woman needs a space, a womb to give birth. I remember um, a thought leader years ago explained to me, you know, even big cities like London, New York, etc. Notice they have Central Park, Hyde Park. You need to have a space to be able to contain life, and you can't without a space. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Completely. So, so tell me, I know we were talking offline a little bit. So you, do you do biofeedback or tell me a little bit about some of the work you do? I would love to learn more about that. Yeah. So I do, I am a, I'm a, I'm a blend that brings together the things that have really resonated and radiated, you know, catalyzed my own health. Um, and so I do, um, I started studying the teachers that I was studying with, um, had practiced and um, started to teach me about Dzogchen and Mahamudra and the awake awareness practices from Tibet. And it just, those practices, number one, just like radically shifted my, that shift out of ordinary mind into awareness just uh, changed everything very quickly, you know, and there were a lot of um, mini awakenings that kind of came from just, just, being introduced to those practices and starting to practice like all the time. I mean, I just was listening all the time to teachers um, that would do pointings on stepping into awareness. And so I, um, I practice and teach that now a lot to my coaching clients. I help people um, step into awareness. Um, And I also very much resonate with the embodied vibrational practices 
like biofield tuning, tuning forks work. So I studied under Eileen McCusick's um, biofield tuning group. So for those who don't know, she's she's written some amazing books and practiced electric body, electric health and others um, and teaches the practice of biofield tuning, which is using tuning forks in the auric field or the biofield to, um, you know, to tune in to the, to introduce a tuning fork into the field. And because we're all vibration, because we're all energy and because the body wants to resonate it as its natural frequency. And when you bring a tuning fork into the field, um, I can sense where there's resistance or dissonance. Mm. And so that's like um, some kind of stuck emotional pattern or a trauma that happened and the body will naturally start to tune <laughs> itself and release and open because of course it takes energy for consciousness to be contracted in the body. Mm. Right. And that's not a natural state. It wants to open. So the, the gift of the tuning fork is it's like a reminder or, you know, it's literally like a tuning, like we're instruments. We are in the human meat suits. <laughs> exactly. And the more I do this work, it's like, it's very much my lived reality now because I have felt it, seen it in myself and in my clients. Um, and the body just starts to, starts to open that pain, that contraction starts to release. That's the healing, the beautiful process of vibrational energy medicine um, that that I've learned and been introduced to through tuning um, and also working with Reiki energies as well because I um, I got introduced to that actually before tuning that was actually how I got into energy healing was through the vehicle of Reiki which was amazing and to me I guess maybe because I'm a, a musician also um, on the side. <laughs> um, awesome. What sort of, what yeah. instrument do you play? Inquiring mind. I, I, yeah, I play violin. Um, oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So I, I especially have a fondness for Celtic fiddle music. Um, and so, yeah. And it just, so this means, you know, the tuning forks themselves just felt, feel to me so elegant. I love after coming from a world of computers and, um, I have a ton of different devices, um, like the muse that I, you know, and there's others, um, but the tuning forks being, you know, non-electronic, they're just elegant and they work amazingly well. So, um, yeah. And now I'm studying breath work as well. Um, it's so powerful. I love Wim Hof stuff. I remember during COVID, I was doing Wim Hof breathing because they said, you know, our lungs are so important when it comes to COVID or any sort of, you know, bronchial sort of disease. So every single day during COVID, I was doing Wim Hof, which is one of many breathing techniques. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't know, whether you're doing box breathing, you know, breathing into the count of four, hold for four, breathe out to the count of four, hold for four and repeat. Or if you're doing, you know, more specialized like Wim Hof or even just deep breathing. Some One of my friends who teaches meditation, I had never heard this, but she said, you want to breathe into your hips when you're meditating. You want to breathe mm. all the way down because sometimes we all breathe a little bit more shallow. And the more we do this, the more that we expand, the more resilient we become. You know, I love heart mass work. I do a lot of work mm. with them on heart-focused breathing. And it's just incredible to realize we are all superhuman. 
we just forgot we're superhuman. We're like putting ourselves in this little itty bitty box that we call a human being. And then when we start breathing, we allow sounds, frequencies, vibrations, meditation. It's like you've turned on the light to our superhuman powers and we can really do just about anything when we take the time to tune in. Yeah. I completely agree. That has absolutely been my experience, you know, and um, that we, yeah, that we are superhuman. We all have that capacity and, and it's really this starting to tune in literally um, to the body through meditation. And I think, you know, one, one thing that really worked for me that I'll raise is that the awareness practices are amazing and they're amazing at getting kind of helping um, that sort of immediate shift out of stress and anxiety into, oh, right. You aren't your thoughts. You aren't your emotions. Even you're actually this conscious awareness of all of what's happening and conscious awareness is actually fine. It's okay. There's not a problem here. And so that shift is, you know, amazing is, um, beyond amazing, incredibly profound. And working with embodied healing, like tuning forks or other, you know, energy modalities, I think those two, because we do are a container for a lot of um, stored trauma. I mean, it's clear that the human body has this incredible capacity to remember, and that just keeps kind of coming up. Um, and so working with energetic medicine, I also worked with plant medicine along the way to just purify and clear that those vibrations. Um, and it's an ongoing process, but those two to me just really go together beautifully um, and very quickly helped me shift from a place of being, I would say, pretty caught in ordinary mind and trying and a lot of doing and a lot of, you know, around life and then thinking, okay, well, you know, the weekend's here and I'll get to, you know, go for a nice hike and then I'll just, you know, go back to kind of ordinary, ordinary life that I think is most people's waking consciousness and to recognize, to shift into actually joyful almost all the time. I mean, I, you know, like it's just here, it's fun. You know, things are stable and there's so much beauty. There's so much love. There's, um, yeah. Yeah. I think when we connect to the divine wholeness within each and every one of us, that's really where that joy, the bliss, the being able to live in that frequent, live in that frequency it, it emerges, it really truly does emerge because it's like a beautiful little seed that's tucked right in there. It's like this little spark of divinity and wholeness that is our soul energy and it's tucked right there in the center of our heart and we forget about it. But it's, you know, I've never said this before, it's kind of like you're watering it and you're nurturing it. So by putting a little meditation on it, maybe throwing some plant medicine in, you see a little sprout come up and then you add some conscious awareness to it and some breathing and the next thing you know, you have kind of this vine and this beautiful tree emerging and that life force energy that was always laying latent in your heart, that energy of joy, that frequency frequency and vibration emerging of the wholeness that exists within all of us, it blossoms. And that's who mm -hmm. our true essence is. 
that was said so beautifully. <laughs> Just... you right. like, I told Holly before we came on, I don't, I ask before I ever do a show, I'm like, please, universe, I know my small little ego mind has nothing worth saying. Please let the much wiser Sadiqim and, you know, wiser wisdom come through me. So thank you, wisdom, wherever that came from. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was beautiful. And I love that you brought wholeness into it because that was one of the big shifts for me was I recognize now that, that this place that I think when people feel stuck, it's, it's lack consciousness. It's basically not seeing the fundamental wholeness underlying the universe or us. And um, that's that there'll never be enough time, money, resources. And so we look out at the world from this place of feeling like there's a, for me, it felt like there was a well that could never be filled. It had no bottom, mm. you know, it's like I turn on the news and there's elephant slaughter or there's, you know, these human rights atrocities or there's this and that. And it's like, how can I possibly be well when all these things are happening on the planet? Right. And it's this feeling of suffering in this just kind of perpetual morass of soup of loss. And do I even have the right to be joyful and happy? How, you know, when all these people and plants and animals are suffering and what wholeness gave me and was that Actually, wholeness is your true nature. It is, love is what we are. And so that's our birthright, actually. And what the world needs is for each of us to reclaim that birthright of love and joy, that grand surrender back into the truth of the wholeness of what we are. And that when we do that, when I did that, and I could, I found and resourced that wholeness within me, then I had infinite capacity to be with all the things that were still there, that I could be with the suffering. And instead, I just feel this outpouring of love and compassion. And no longer do I feel drowning in the morass and the sorrow and the darkness. Mm. It's It's suddenly, it's like, it's okay. Like there's this fundamental okayness. I'm not blind, my head's not in the sand. But I feel this like deep, deepest, deepest knowing that all we truly are is love and light. And the world needs that. That's actually what we're here to become. And um, hmm. now that's here. What's what I'm here to that's share and teach. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I was recently in Paris and as I was walking through an area near the Louvre, I connected in this moment. It was like something shifted and I was completely sober. No wine, a few pan chocolates and maybe an ice cream into the day. But um, as I'm walking through, all of a sudden, the thousands of people that were there turned into these divine sparks of light. I could see that every person was a spark of light. And then I felt two things simultaneously juxtaposed against each other. The one was the crushing loneliness at being separated from the beginning of creation. And the flip side of that 
was a sublime joy at knowing that we're all one and that we all come together and just seeing kind of that dance of all of us as human beings and knowing that they're both okay. It's okay if you feel lonely sometimes. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to feel lonely, joyful, sad, happy, grateful, and that everything was simultaneously okay and that all of that exists in the spark of light within us. And so I'm so grateful for people like you, Holly, who are doing wonderful work to help us to connect to that wholeness, that essence of our soul, and that you're embodying it. I, th- I think it's one thing for a lot of us to go out there and talk about it, and it's another thing to really embody it and to live that. And I just acknowledge you for living that and living so bravely to live your light. So thank you for the light you bring. Mm. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, truly, it was it was getting my own life jacket on first because I was drowning, you know, and it just, so it was that first, we have to save ourselves. I mean, we really do. We have to honor ourselves enough to say, I am worthy of saving. I'm worthy of giving myself the time to really do whatever I need to do to find this place of fundamental well-being, of fundamental okayness, you know, and I, I'll be honest, like I did some things that some people would think were radical. I shut off the news. Um, I mean, I just said, I, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. But- <laughs> I made an agreement with the universe. I said, God, universe, here's the deal. If there's something important going on in the world that you want me to know, share it to me through a reliable source, such as a friend or family member. Otherwise, that's the only way I'm going to receive it if I'm meant to receive it. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jennifer, I did exactly, basically the same thing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It actually was when Donald Trump became president and I just was like, you know what, that anger, it was, that was the catalyst and it was the greatest gift because I recognized that, that it wasn't that, that actually wasn't my news. That was actually somebody else's news that they, like my news was, about things that Deepak Chopra is teaching, or my news is, you know, the wisdom teachers, um, not Kelly or Rupert Spira or the neuroscience news. Like you can actually decide what your news is. Newsflash. Yes. Oh my God. That's brilliant, Holly. I love that. You get to choose what your news is. You should go out and meme that. You choose your news. Go meme that right now. It is okay. <laughs> oh, like, send me your cell phone, and I swear I will send you a okay. meme. We'll create that. You choose your news. But okay, <laughs> so much. And speaking of which, you know, social media and connecting with you. How would you like people to connect with you? What is the best way for people to follow up, find out about your work, perhaps work with you? Yeah, thank you for asking. So, my um, creation is Heart Mind Alchemy. And so you can go to heartmindalchemy.com and that's my website. And um, you can connect to, I'm a meditation teacher on Insight Timer. So you can connect to my page, my Insight Timer page there. And I've got a number of meditations uh, and I do live feeds every week um, on there. And then um, I also sometimes run courses. I'm running a course right now called Vibrational Alchemy, where we teach people to use tuning forks and essential oils um, to tune up themselves. Um, and I do one-on-one coaching and sessions, biofield tuning sessions. So, um, and Instagram and Facebook links are there too. So 
Beautiful. Well, thank mm. you so much, Holly. Any closing thoughts, any last pieces of wisdom, uh, apart mm. from the brilliant part about you choose your news, which is just <laughs> mic drop right there. So I leave it up to you if you want to leave with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I, this has just been a wonderful conversation. I think my parting words are just about empowerment that, you know, to empower people to know that this fundamental well-being is here and available. Wholeness is what we are. And um, to go into the sadness or whatever despair you feel, it's worth it to really dive deep and see what's there because um, I believe it's all our birthright to reclaim. That's what the world needs, to reclaim our joy and reclaim our light um, so we can you know, raise consciousness throughout the planet, throughout the world. That's what's needed. Well, it has been such a pleasure having Holly Copeland on with us today. Uh, Again, I'm Jennifer K. Hill. If you are interested in learning more about energy medicine, and if you want to see what energy medicine practitioners you match with energetically, you can go to om-heals.com. Again, that's om-heals.com and find out who your energetic matches are. It's free to get matched and we have practitioners on every continent except for Antarctica. So feel free to pop on there and find out. And you can also find lots of other great shows that we've done here on Awake TV Network. Please check out all of the other wonderful teachers on the show and wishing everybody the capacity to have discernment, to choose what comes into your field, whether it's news, whether it's your social media field, that you're able to use that discernment to connect to that wholeness and that stillness and to allow the trueness of your being emerge. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show, like Deepak Chopra and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.